What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. Thanks for uh, being with us today. I'm Dean. I'm Zach. Yo, we're back again. The two of us, the dynamic duo, often mistaken for each other. We are our own person, but sometimes it feels like, uh, I don't know, we're like... Two peas in a pod. Yes, that is perhaps the best. In a pod with only two peas. Yeah, it's a pod (laughs) of two. Yeah. We're, We're like just peas... From a pod grown on an organic regenerative farm. Oof. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. We're uh, we're pretty excited for today's episode. Yes. We sat down with uh, Daniel and Simran from Athiana Acres. And uh, I think we're like two of the biggest fans of Athiana Acres. Like I'm like borderline obsessed. If you could have like a crush on a farm, yes, I would have like the biggest crush on Athiana Farms. I know. Athiana we, Acres. We're so fortunate because where we where we live here in Steeson, we're we're literally neighbors with this beautiful 30-acre regenerative farm in our corner of the world. And every time I drive past it, like I like peek in the gate to like see who's there. And recently they've been been adding like new things. They got a beautiful beautiful new signage on their front gate. Um, put some sandwich boards out on the on the kind of like near the real rail or the the greenway that people ride their bikes and walk up and down. And every time I go past, I'm like, no, oh, it looks so good. And every morning, I go out and stand and look over the farm and watch the sunrise come up over the farm. And it's just uh, it's something that feels so special. Yeah, it's our home team. Yeah, it is the home team. You know, <laughs> yes. And I mean, we talk about it in the episode, but the stuff that comes out of the ground there next door to us on that farm is just so delightful so delicious grown with care love knowledge intention um and it it just tastes unreal it's so so good we all know kind of the old adage you are what you eat but to take it a little farther like you are what you eat eats Mm. and in that sense i'm just talking about the soil and uh you know we all do our best it's hard to be you know, perf- nobody's perfect, but when you think about the quality of soil, that's going to, in many ways, dictate the quality of the food that you're eating. And Athiana Acres has got, like, regenerative, organic, beautiful soil, you know? When you think about that, you think that this is this is what's growing, this these beautiful fruits and vegetables and her- herbs and flowers. They're growing in this, like, you know soil that um athiana is really you know stewarding this land by taking care of the soil and like treating it in a way that's kind of holy so when you know that they have that reverence for the soil you know the produce is gonna be good Mm -hmm. that's a great it's a great uh it's a great thing that's happening next door here and um we're so fortunate to get to live next door and see the progress but also you know be able to get the produce and if you're like oh this place sounds amazing and you're someone who lives in like the richmond vancouver area you're in luck because you too can come and check out the farm and visit it uh their market if you're listening to this uh the day or the week that it came out uh it's the first weekend saturday june 17th of their market from 9 to 3 p.m 9 a.m to 3 p.m um so you can come by grab some fresh produce check out the farm get to see and experience you know what what we are so fortunate to be able to see and experience every day as we look out over the farm or go past it get to meet daniel simran will be there the family um a whole bunch of the community for 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 simran and daniel um community is central to what they do which is so cool and part of the story that they tell uh, in this episode but 
Yes, we are very, very excited to celebrate with them the first farmer's market of the season coming up this Saturday. And uh, if you're listening to this a little bit later, but it's still summertime, Saturdays, 9 a.m. at the Ann Acres, check it out. It's a great story. Simran and her family, uh, generational farmers. They have a farm uh, in the village of Athiana in India. It's in the in the Punjab in the north uh, of India, and and the land there informs you know the practices of farming, which th- her family, uh, you know, wanted to see on their land. And Daniel, we've had an episode with him before, so you can go back and listen to it. It was a great one. He's such a lovely human being. Um, and he tells his story there about how he got into farming and, and kind of now they talk about how they found each other and the partnership that they forged as a family farm and Daniel, this uh, brilliant farmer working the land. And anyway, so good. So good. Yes. Yes. My crush grows just listening. Athiana Acres is kind of this culmination of, of this ancestral journey and continuation of, of a legacy connecting to, to land and, and being a steward to the land and growing these beautiful things. So I'm excited for this one. If you connect to this episode and enjoy it, uh, please do share it with a friend. Um, throw up a, a review, follow it, like it, share it uh, wherever you're listening to it, Spotify, Apple, Google. Um, goes a long way in allowing us to, to share this episode, grow grow this this podcast just as Athiana's grow on their, their beautiful produce. That's right. You can cultivate the radiance of organic farmed goods, and you can cultivate the radiance of the goodness of a little more good. There we go. Before we dive in or dig into this episode, a uh, word from this week's sponsors. Yeah, we're excited to say we have a new sponsor for our show today, Caldera Lab. You can say goodbye to the generic face wash on your counter because Caldera Lab is here to save the day when it comes to your skin. Backed by a leading clinical trial where 9 out of 10 men experienced healthier and visibly improved skin, Caldera Lab has the tools to unlock your best first impression and confidence. And today, we have an exclusive offer for our audience so you can try it for yourself and you can see why so many men trust Caldera Lab for their skincare needs. Use our code more good at calderalab.com for 20% off their best products. That's a lot of good on something that is very, very good. I love it, Zach. We've been taking it. We've been using it for a while. The skin is looking good. You're looking radiant. Thank you, my friend. Just like we care what goes in our body, mm-hmm. we should care what goes on our body. And Caldera Lab uses plant-based ingredients, things that I would scoop with a spoon uh, it's an incredible product. So as Dean said, uh, calderalab.com slash more good for 20% off your first order. Yeah, and it's great. The clean slate is like a way to wash your face, leave it uh, feeling balanced and clean. You get the base layer, which is a nutrient-dense, fortifying moisturizer, moisturizer that hydrates your skin. It absorbs fast and leaves this nice matte finish. It's so great. And then the good is like the go-to at-night serum. Put it on your face. It smells good. It feels good. You wake up and you just feel fresh. And ugh, I love it. I love every product they have. Um, and I love that they're committed to transparency, sustainability, and the excellence that they have. Uh, it's a mission of theirs to make men, men's skincare better. And I believe that they're doing it. A certified B Corporation as, uh, as well as a member of 1% for the Planet. So you can feel good about doing good for yourself, knowing that uh, Caldera Labs is taking care of your skin, but also helping to take care of people on the planet. So that's wonderful. So get 20% off with the code MOREGOOD at calderalab.com. That's 20% off 
at calderalab.com with the code MOREGOOD. Oof. All right. This episode was also brought to you by AG1 by Athletic Greens. Dean, how's your AG1 going? Ooh, it's good. And you know what's interesting is I get asked all the time by people because they're like, yo, you guys have like the AG1 or Athletic Greens or whatever on the pod. I was like, yes. And they're like, is it good? Like, what does it do? And I'm like, honestly, it is so good. Like it's, I said, just listen to our podcast and you'll hear us talk about it because what we say there is like the, it's the, it's the hundred percent truth. Like it is so good. I feel good. I feel energized. I've said before, like, uh, it, I feel like my hair and my nails are growing like so fast and it's just cause your body has all those minerals and nutrients that it needs to like grow and heal. I feel like working out in the gym, like my recovery is fast. You know, I've been pushing myself more and I don't fatigue as easy. I feel refreshed. It's the first thing I do in the morning, hydrate and, you know, get my body fueled with all of these high quality ingredients, 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source nutrients. Yes. It's like we finish each other's sentences. It's just like it. Comprehensive nutrition in one simple scoop. I love, uh, you know, starting, I wake up and it's the first thing I do. And, and I feel like, you know, you stack these good habits, starting, starting my day with intention creates a day full of intention. So being intentional about what I put in my body brings about, uh, it's kind of a, a first step towards, you know, manifesting the, the day in which I'm hoping to have. So it promotes my gut health, supports immunity, boosts energy, helps recovery. It's got everything I want. I used to have, I don't know, a dozen supplements in my cupboard, and, and now I've just got one thanks to AG1. So if you want to simplify your healthy habits, start your day with good intentions, and feel the benefits of a healthy daily foundation, that is AG1, go to athleticgreens.com slash more good to get five free travel packs with your first order and a year's supply of immune-boosting vitamin D. That is athleticgreens.com slash more good. So good. All right. And last but not least, today we want to give a shout out to Van City. Uh, Van City is Canada's largest credit union and a financial force for change in our community. Being a Van City member means that your financial needs are met with the flexible products and services you want and your deposits support the things you care about, like environmental sustainability, climate action, affordable housing, financial resilience, and even reconciliation, which is a big one. Van City is a credit union of firsts where you bank really can change everything. And they were the first North American-based financial institution to be carbon neutral. The first to offer mortgages to women without a male co-signer and the first financial institution in Canada to provide a karma counter on Visa credit cards. So that's pretty cool. And they have a new member offer. You can sign up to get $790 in value when you join Van City, all while knowing your deposits help build a clean and fair world. Visit vancity.com join to learn more and join the movement. Terms and conditions obviously apply. But uh, yeah, we want to shout out Planted. Their Van City is connected to the team at Planted and they obviously care about making the best sustainable food choices, trying to consume less, recycling more, you know, doing good brands, doing good business with good brands. This is all what it's about, having an impact. So that's how Van City entered the scene, a financial institution that cares about people and the planet. So make sure you check them out. That new member offer, get at it, vancity.com slash join. All right. 
All right, on to this week's episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. We're really, really excited to be joined today by two guests uh, and literally just uh, just neighbors, neighbors of ours here. Uh, one of our guests you might remember, welcome back, Daniel Garfinkel, Farmer Daniel. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. Thank it, you, thank you. Of course. In, in our home, that's how you've come to be known. My kids and I often spend lots of time on the green space or we will walk by at the end of Acres, and I'll be like, oh, do you see Farmer, Dan- Farmer Daniel out there? So he's the guy singing in the tractor is again. He singing or is he crying? No, It's the same, really. <laughs> Mix of emotions. Yeah, so welcome back to the pod. We <laughs> thank love, you, we thank love the you. conversation the first time you were with us about regenerative agriculture and everything that you're doing on the land next door at the end of Acres. And joining Daniel and Zach and I is Simran Panach. Um, we're so uh, glad to have you with us. And joining us and sharing the story of not necessarily what the is happening like on the farm in the day to day, although you can definitely probably speak to that. But in terms of someone representing um, a new way of partnership and your family's story of coming and owning land here and having farming as being part of your story, your family history, and bringing it in a beautiful new but really kind of old way uh, to our corner of the neighborhood here. So it is lovely to meet you. Thank you for making time to, to sit with us and to share some of your story and a bit of who you are with us and our listeners today. Thank you so much, Dean. Yeah. It's awesome to be here. Right on, right on. So we kind of want to jump in and have a conversation about the farm and everything that's happening next door because it is beautiful. It's an exciting thing. It's um, kind of early spring here, although today is a beautiful sunny day, the exact opposite of the last time you were here, Daniel. It was no, I was actually doing now, nothing right? <laughs> at work today. I yeah. Slow day. Hanging out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely understand uh, that every moment counts. So thank you for sharing a few moments in the busy springtime with us. Um, but things are happening next door. Things are happening busy at the farm. Um, and so we'd love to get into that. But first and foremost, maybe Simran, um, you can tell us some of your family's story and how you came to be uh, owners of this 30 acres and what it is your family is planning, hoping, and actually is doing with this with this farm, how it came to be, why you called it, what you called it, um, wherever you want to start, just lead us into that story and and uh, help us to understand this this beautiful farm that is cultivating radiance as well <laughs> as all of this good food, as it says on your website. Thank you so much for throwing that in there. We we love the phrase cultivating That's radiance. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know where to begin, but as you said, so the name of the farm, I think, is a good place to start. The name is Athiana Acres, and Athiana is actually the name of our family's village on my dad's side, our dad's lineage, um, in India. So the village of Athiana is in the northern province of Punjab in India, and it's Athiana has been in our family history for generations and generations. That's where um, our family is from, and in Athiana, we own actually a 30-acre farm, which is funny since the Athiana Acres here is also 30 acres. But back in Athiana, our family has had about 30 acres um, for generations. And on that land, we've grown mainly wheat and rice. Um, Since my dad has been young, that's what he remembers being grown there. Um, And um, agriculture is just such an important part of the heritage in Punjab and to the Punjabi culture. And so it's really embedded in our blood and so ever since holding land in Punjab and since then my family has immigrated to Africa for a period of time and even there they were surrounded by farmlands and around coffee farms and um, and then finally immigrated to Canada and landed in Vancouver in 1975 
And since being in Vancouver, our family has also held various different farms, first a blueberry farm, later a strawberry and raspberry farm, and then now finally Athian Acres located in the heart of Steveston, which is kind of the culmination of that journey. And we're just so excited to be able to bring that heritage here. I love that. I love that there's, you know, four generations, probably plus could be endless generations of, of farming in your family. And just kind of when I like kind of close my eyes and imagine that like lineage, that kind of ancestral connection to, to the earth, you know, like you guys have been kind of working with, with the earth, with the soil, with, with plants and, and providing food for communities for, you know, over a hundred years and, and to think how produce has changed, how vegetables have changed and how soil has changed over that time. You know, if I think a hundred years ago, I think about a really pure natural soil and organic, you know, vegetables and fruits that are not, you know, compromised or sprayed in any way. And I think about what you guys are doing now. I feel like it's such um, a service to your family history in thinking the regenerative farm that you guys are, are, are creating now, how it's kind of going back to how things were farmed in, in generations past. Like we kind of got confused for, for a few <laughs> generations <laughs> and, and wanted to kind of produce you know, monocrops and um, maximize yield of, of one product. So got into GMOs and, and Roundup and all these pesticides. And, you know, when I, I remember talking to my grandparents when they were still around, like, which isn't that long ago, there was, there was no, the farming practices were so different. So mm. it, it's really cool to see you guys completing the circle and bringing farming practices back to kind of a holistic working with the land sort of approach. I feel mm -hmm. like your your ancestors from generations past are, are looking down fondly of uh, where you guys have taken things. <laughs> That's the goal, yeah. From <laughs> what I know back in Punjab, prior to the 1950s, it was definitely more of that regenerative practice, kind of what we're trying to cultivate here. And then there was a movement towards industrialization, like you mentioned, and more traditional agriculture practices. And although those are wonderful in their own right as well, and there's a place and a need for that as well, but I think ideally what we want to be cultivating is more of those traditional ancestral practices and the name of the farm is also in honor of my grandpa who passed away about seven years ago, but he was really the one that was so excited about this farm. And we had just bought in the property um, shortly before he passed, but he was so, so excited about bringing those original practices back to Richmond, BC and kind of continuing that lineage here. I know like your, your family's a, a multi-generational family, how you guys work, work together and kind of incorporate family to kind of like a core pillar of, of what you guys do. Um, when you guys are, are together as a group, uh, whether it was when your grand, grandfather was still, still with you guys or your grandma, you know, do they pass down stories of, of kind of their history of, you know, getting their hands in the soil or like what farming was like for them growing up as, as children in the Punjab? Mm -hmm. My grandma definitely remembers lots of 
more so around what she saw around. And even the other week, she picked up a Punjabi newspaper, and there was a sugarcane processing plant, and it was showing the whole process of sugarcane um, growing in India. And she wanted to do a deep dive and told me everything that she remembers from that and that she remembers looking out of the house and could see farms just like that. And so, yeah, it's definitely deep in our blood. <laughs> you guys might start, have to start growing some sugar cane. I mean, the climate's changing a little bit, so <laughs> we are getting there. But it's it's quite fun to hear the story so in-depth because now on a day-to-day basis working the farm, uh, Simran's grandma <laughs> is often overlooking the farm, and I can sometimes see her. And recently I've been starting to send Simran texts with what I've done all day so she can translate it to her grandma because her grandma for sure as I've been told asks tons of questions is inquiring is curious is maybe picking some of my techniques apart which I'm always grateful for any feedback but it's so fun to I mean what I think what one person could see as a as a you know uh, overlord watching us a bit, <laughs> I see it as like a wonderful beautiful family thing and I like love every second of it but I mean it, it's it's also quite funny yeah <laughs> well and I think there's something unique we talked a little bit about it in the in the kind of pre-pod conversation and that was about like Simran your family's involvement with the farm like it's interesting that I, I don't know how many other people would say oh let's sit down as the you know the farm owners and the the people like working the land if it's like separate entities and it's not all one family or one business doing it like what are the chances that there's going to be like this really harmonious relationship mm. where it's not just like oh you own the land and I'm working it but there is that sense of like true ownership over the land but also like what's happening there and the practices and like you know your grandma kind of like watching over like you said it could be like oh you know looking and and seeing if there's a mistake or whatever but it's also like i see it as like watching with affection like what's happening out there and with a with a desire to you know see to come to fruition like this vision that your grandpa and your family has had to like kind of bring these practices back like she gets to see maybe like part of his dream and his vision come to fruition i mean i imagine that as like a really beautiful thing for her to participate in and like how has that maybe changed since daniel has been the one working land versus like if there's been other people that your family's worked with to kind of grow crops on on your land Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's de- it's definitely with a lot of love and care and affection that <laughs> everyone in the family is to hear that. <laughs> deeply involved in and wants to hear about everything happening on the farm. Yeah, we appreciate Daniel's report cards that he's been sending back lately, writing up exactly what's happening day to day. And then I pass them on, and that's really all we talk about at the dinner table, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, Does Grandma approve of the ginger? That's that's what I want to know. Oh, she's so oh. excited for the ginger the and ginger. the garlic. I, th- I mm-hmm. thought you were gonna, you were going to say me. <laughs> Does she approve of the Daniel? <laughs> I was like, wait, that's like, questionable. Yeah, but... it's, it's questionable. See, as long as the ginger's good, then you, then you, then you gotta spot the table. The Daniel's average, the ginger's great. Yeah. That's yeah. all that matters. But yeah, so prior to partnering with Daniel, we had leased out the property. I mean, decades back before we owned the land, we know that it had grown potatoes, hay, wheat. I think those were the main three, and then. Um, the last few years we've owned the property, it was leased out to a farmer who was growing mixed Asian vegetables. But like Daniel said, that was very separate. He leased the land. It wasn't really, we didn't feel like it was ours to walk on or be involved in, which 
we knew that was what we um, agreed upon in terms of leasing the land. We didn't think that we wanted to take it on ourselves, but um, we never went into my background, but my undergrad is in food, nutrition, and health, so I've always had a deep passion for food systems and food, and so out of the family, um, I was definitely the one that really wanted to take it on ourselves and take that leap, and then when we stumbled upon Daniel after much researching online, I came across Daniel, and kind of that partnership just blossomed naturally. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I think because it's like kind of unconventional, right? Typically you would find a farmer who wants to work the land and you would lease it and it would be pretty hands-on, like pretty transactional. Mm-hmm. Like we've got the space, you come in and do your thing. So, so what was the conversation like around the dinner table or how it happened with your family being like, let's try a different approach. Let's see if we can find someone who's going to not just like work well with our land, but like work with us and kind of have build uh, a relationship, not just like a transactional kind of, uh, hey, come and take care of the land in season, and and like it'll be just that kind of simple thing. What was that? What was the process like? Hey, I think we should try this, or what if we found someone who's really passionate about it, and we really clicked with, and we could kind of have that mutual ownership over land, but also practices and what we grow and how we do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was exactly that. It's really just. We wanted to find someone that cared as deeply about the land and about building a brand that, as we did. And so it's not something that happened overnight. We definitely, we tested out different variations of things. Um, and then we ended up talking to Daniel kind of in a consulting capacity. And we would have meetings at a, at a boardroom and it was very official. And we would have those meetings and kind of just chatted about kind of the overall values and just seeing if we aligned on things. And then from there moved into practices and farming practices and where we wanted to take the farm but so it was gradual and done with a lot of intent and mm-hmm. just very grateful that it worked out the way it has nice. <laughs> so the, the understanding was that both sides were wild enough to go into this idea together and then we're like holding our breath okay let's do this yeah and yeah we're about what, 12 months in now it's really mm-hmm. wild to see what we've accomplished in 12 months to, mm-hmm. to think about I mean, I guess like, what, three years ago when I came to the property and met with you all, it was nothing. There was nothing there. Like, it was just absolutely barren. It almost looks like we have a functioning farm now. Almost. Almost. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from my perspective, it looks amazing. Oh, thank you. But I got to know, when when he showed up in the boardroom, was he like this dirty or? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's worth noting that when I first walked into here, to the pod room, I apologized profusely because I literally just walked off of the field, scrubbing my hands (laughs) as I was walking here. Yeah. And we'll be going back to the fields after this. Yeah, it's always a toss up what Daniel you're going to get. Are you going to get farming (laughs) Daniel or are you going to get clean Daniel? (laughs) I don't even know. Yeah. It's a surprise to me too. It's funny. So, like for those listening, we there's a there's a greenway. There's a like a a walkway that borders your guys' farm, and mm-hmm. it, that greenway is next to where Dean and I uh, live. So we spend a lot of time with our kids, or just you know, yesterday we we had a meeting, pulled up on one of the picnic benches. So like I feel like you guys are almost like a sports team to us. Like we're like watching you guys we watch the plants grow and we're like cheering and we're like we see you know we think everyone's daniel that's working in the farm we're like oh look daniel's over there working hard oh he's over there too like yeah. look at this guy go. we're saying is well, he's really just relaxing a lot over <laughs> yeah. there he's not working that hard he's built a hammock like way to go daniel put your feet up who's driving those straight lines of that tractor <laughs> yeah it wasn't me but it is cool how um I think this kind of speaks to 
the community that you guys are creating. And when, when I think about like community, you know, we were talking about the history of your guys' farm and your relationship to the, to the soil and the earth. And I think, you know, communities become like a marketing term for a lot of businesses. But if I think about community historically, like it was kind of like farms and whatever faith you followed that kind of fostered those Mm. communities in the neighborhood. You would gather around harvest and you'd gather around, um, you know, whatever faith group that you're a part of in like in a historic sense. And, um, you know, I think about a lot of the farms that, uh, you know, we've worked with at the juice truck or that I've experienced and it's like fairly closed off to community. Like it's like, you know, they don't really share their farming practices, you know, to, it's kind of a bit hidden off. Um, but with Athiana, like it's truly, you guys are on display for all of Richmond. Like it's like, this is a busy greenway and it looks down onto your beautiful farm. So it's like very much, um, you know, part of the scenery of, of this mm-hmm. space. And, and to further that, like, uh, and I'd love to get into this with you, Simran, like I know community is like a big pillar for you guys, like from your farm markets to the events that you guys are hosting. Like I, I feel not only are you returning to the, the regenerative roots of farming, but you're also, returning to that that um, kind of pillar of being a, a fostering community and being a gathering place for, you know, the city of Richmond and, and beyond. So maybe we can kind of talk about um, why community is important for you, which I don't think is, like, that common with modern farms to, like, hey, like, we're going to grow amazing produce, but we're also going to, like, invite the whole community to be a part of this. Um, so maybe we can talk about, like, why community is such an important pillar for how you're growing the business. Mm -hmm. I think we're also fortunate that we have, we're growing this business with both Daniel and I. So in terms of capacity and resources, we're able to focus on that community aspect and kind of the marketing and building the brand and building an experience while also actively farming and producing Mm -hmm. wonderful crops. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think often the time is, I mean, It could also be lack of interest in building community, but I think it could also be lack of resources, whereas we're very fortunate that we have all hands on deck and we're able to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think we really just want, we want the farm to be an extension of our family and that's really how we see community. Like we just want the values that we have for high quality, creating things that we would be proud to feed our family and just extending that beyond to the community. And I think in terms of the experiences, like you mentioned, the markets, I think that's one thing that I'm most excited about is just creating, creating memorable experiences is really the side of the business that I'm most excited for in the years to come. And I think that's kind of a rabbit hole that I've been going down recently is like what makes a memorable experience, what makes people come alive and remember things. And so there's kind of different facets of that that I've been diving into and that I want to implement as we go on to host our markets and future events and so I think one piece of that is education which I'm sure Daniel would speak to as well Daniel is an excellent teacher and is always teaching our family about everything happening on the farm and so education is going to be an important pillar of the farm and something that we want to build out um, and showcase whenever we host events and markets on site Um, I think another piece is having things be aesthetically pleasing and beautiful. And that's something that, again, because we have 
the time and the resources, resources and we're in this for the long haul. We're very focused on presenting things beautifully and just having things be pleasant for people to look at, experience, touch, feel. So I think just like the beauty of nature and showcasing that as best we can is another element of that. Um, what's another one? I think that really creating kind of a sense of escape is another thing that I'm excited for with these experiences. And that's something that we're very uniquely positioned to do, having the farm right in the heart of Steveston and you're in a bustling city, but we really want it to be that when you walk through that door, walk through the farm gates, you feel like you're a part of this oasis and this community that's unique from everything around it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what comes to mind around building something memorable. There's a word that's come up for me a lot Simran, when you've been talking, and obviously we've, we talk about this nonstop, but I think the word transparency really comes up for me. And I think when I think about community, I think about transparency as well. Transparency through education, through experience, through people getting you know fascinated with the farm and getting lost there and more getting found. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny, I was talking to a couple of the staff about this on Monday saying, hey, you know, I want to have the most open door policy here. I want any customer to, or any community member or any guest to come here, be able to open up any cupboard or door that we have on this farm, because like we have nothing to hide here. Like we want our practices are, as you all said, we're literally on display, but also we want to showcase that through and through our entire operation. We want to show that, you know, how we grow food in a transparent way that focuses on quality community but we want to show that, like, you know, th- there's no veil behind of what we are doing here. We're doing this for these reasons. And, you know, look in our closets. Mm. We like we want to really um, <clears throat> be honest and transparent from A through Z throughout the whole experience. Yeah. So what I think that it's really cool, like people are longing for that sense of community, that sense of belonging, but also like that integrity and transparency when it comes to the things that matter most to us, like our food, Mm -hmm. right? And more and more people are wanting to eat local and like understand what it is they're consuming and putting in their bodies. And uh, I just feel like it's so perfectly timed to have something like this in, in a community where again, like it would maybe make sense to like wait until everything's like really firing on Mm -hmm. cylinders and be like, now let's open it up so that everyone can see what we've created. But the way that you're doing it is like inviting people into the process. And like it does, like Zach said, it's like the local sports team and we're Mm -hmm. cheering for it, but it also feels like there's connection and like, even ownership over it as just a community member like it feels like it's my backyard farm you know and to know like that dean it would be yours if you came and put some hours in weeding i just want to you know say that politely asking you inviting you one would say begging you (laughs) we keep teasing that we want to volunteer it's becoming a sick joke we gotta put some uh muscle into uh, Let's do it. Well, I walked by a couple times. Dean's got to put some muscle. He's the strong yeah, one. Right. So, uh, I'll give you keys. Farmer Just carries. come on in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. but but it is that sense of like fr- from the first farmers markets, like towards the the end of summer last year, like there was a there was a palpable excitement in the community about like coming in and seeing what you've created, and and I think that like just from my perspective, like 
it's not only beautiful to look at in terms of the farm, but it's beautiful in terms of like what it's doing in the community. It's mm. educating people about where your food comes from, what, how and what a farm could or probably should look like and function like and um, how it can operate in harmony and synergy with a community around it, not in isolation from it and kind of like we don't really know what's going on mm. there and you buy this product in a grocery store and really have no idea like where it's come from or how it's grown or anything like this. So there is this deep connection that I think people are longing for, that sense of community, that sense of shared ownership and belonging and like knowing that what's on my table, like where it came from and, and that it's good for me, it's good for my family. Like those things I think people are always going to be excited about. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, a question when I was on the tractor this morning, a question was coming up for me to ask both of you. And I've talked to Simran and her family a lot about it, about, you know, the, the now that they are actively engaged in the operations on the farm rather than leasing it out, what's it like for their family to be able to come down and engage? I mean, Simran's niece and nephew was down on the farm playing in the garlic patch yesterday, helping me re remove hay from the garlic to expose more sunlight to it, you know, and like it was a beautiful thing. But I have a question for you two, Zach and Dean, who have born and raised in Richmond, um, you know, driven past, uh, let's call it more conventional style farms, monocrop, um, really, really large scale Um if that's kind of an understanding of agriculture and food and community engagement into agriculture and now overlooking this farm, watching the growth of it, like, I mean, I, I don't know what the specific question I have is, is but, but I guess what's it been like for you all to have this farm now part of your, I don't say daily lifestyle, but I know, Dean, I know you watch me on the tractor while drinking your coffee in the morning, but again, <laughs> doors always open. Um, but and my cup's always empty, so... Maybe I'll water You'd be warmly welcomed. But what's it like for you guys to... Because really, personally, you know, I, I call myself an organic farmer, yes, but I'm a community-based farmer. And one of the main reasons why I do this is for folks like you, my neighbors, who want to engage in the farm experience in some way, whether it's just drive by it, come support it, come help weed, whatever it may be. But what's it been like for you two to watch this? We'll call it like a different version of the common farm in Richmond um, come to fruition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If, if you can yeah. extract a question out of that somehow. That's a great, it's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up off of True Road. So I walked past this farm that you guys are, are now working with since, you know, it's five years old kind of thing. So, I mean, I, Dean, I'll let you jump in too, but um, Simran, you mentioned escape is something that you guys are providing, and I might use the word hope instead of escape for myself. Like, um, I see what's happening to the world, you know, with climate change and, and just kind of disregard for the human relationship to being a part of instead of separate to the to the nature of the world. Um, and as I've gotten older, I've become more aware of these, these issues and these connections. And I think of films like kiss the ground and biggest little, little biggest little farm or whatever it's called. And I think about walking past these farms when I was growing up. So, you know, we used to, um, walk our dog down this way and 
probably would get in a lot of trouble now, but we'd walk our dog through the farms all the time. So we'd, I guess, trespass on everyone's <laughs> property and go pick blackberries and, and, you know, walk through until we got to the water. And I think about the soil and my memories of it as a kid are kind of this like dusty, dry soil that, um, and I don't really remember much growing on it other than mm. the blackberries that were kind of bordered all the farms. Um, you know, sometimes there would be a little stand at the side of the road with some garlic or, um, you know, a few few items. But I just mostly remember kind of like dry, dusty soil that mm. didn't seem fully utilized. So now, you know, spending some time going to your market, seeing your farm, like when the soil seems to be alive again, like it seems like you've brought a life into that land, into that soil that wasn't there for my childhood and two, it just it kind of gives me hope that you guys are able to take something that in my memory was dry and kind of lifeless and bring all of this life to it, this you know regenerative organic mindset. And I see, okay, if you guys can do this on this 30 acres, like what's, how do we kind of project this onto the rest of the world? And I think when people are following what's happening in the world, climate change, whatnot, they can, they can kind of get into that, you know, freeze flight, um, um, kind of get paralyzed by all of it. Um, but I think seeing it in small communities, like what you guys are doing, one gives hope, but two also shows that it's possible. You know, it doesn't have to be, um, you don't have to kind of, try to change your whole life, you can start with supporting one farm and kind of projecting that out forward in your life. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, use the word escape, but it, seeing these practices gives me hope for what farmers can do and what uh, communities can do. But you, Dina, there's my, my love, love letter to you guys. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Received. Well, big fan, Received. big fan. I feel like, uh, I feel like, Again, I mean, your your farm is part of my daily life because, especially now in the spring, like when it's when I can wake up and it's almost bright out or getting bright out. Like I love one of the things that I love to do is get up and watch the sunrise. Um, I think it's just we only get so many in a lifetime and they're beautiful and why not get up and see as many as we can and. I've been so fortunate because I can just wander out this way and there's that green space and it overlooks your farm. And so I'll give you an example literally from this morning. So I woke up, snuck out of the house not to wake anybody up, and I walk over that way, and there's just nobody really out there, except for Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> and I walk the green way, like not even on the path, but just mm. on the grass, and I walk along, and I just look over at the farm because it's so beautiful. Mm. And not even knowing that you would a ask a question like this today, the thing that struck me this morning was as I walked along the fence and I moved my way down to where your property ends um, and then the next property begins, I was like, wow, what? I even took a photo. I was like, what? Partly because there was a coyote, but also it was cool to take a photo of like what's happening. And it was like, uh, Athena Acres is green and there's flowers and there's different colors of green and there's different patches of what's happening on that 30 acres and it's just, you it's diverse to, to look at. To look at it is to know there's different things happening on this mm -hmm. property, on this farm. And then literally 
the next farm adjacent is just dirt. And not even, again, like to kind of Zach's point, like we could say soil, but I feel like it's kind of more dirt mm -hmm. than soil, knowing that those are the same, but also very different. Mm -hmm. uh, and it struck me literally this morning, wow, it's visibly obvious that you are doing something different, mm -hmm. and in my opinion, better than some of the farms that are your immediate neighbors. And for anyone who's paying halfway attention, like you can literally, you can't miss it. You can't mm. miss that there's diversity, that this farm has flowers and this one doesn't. Mm. And that this one has like, oh, there's that shade of green. And is that like barley cover crop? I don't know, maybe, or rye or whatever it might be. And, but now there's something going in, in there. And like, what are they planting over here? What's that gonna be? And you can see the sections. And so for me, Literally, an example from this morning is that obvious difference in what's happening on your 30 acres mm -hmm. versus the ones around you. And knowing that when I grew up in the city, and I grew up kind of in the east part of the city where there is more farming, where there was, um, knowing that all of the farms that I grew up kind of in and around were one thing, mm -hmm. right? And there's not necessarily something inherently wrong or bad about that, but knowing that acre, the, all that acreage was blueberries, and all this acreage is potatoes, mm -hmm. and then it's gonna be cabbage or whatever else, but knowing it's just one thing. And then seeing it tilled over and left as dirt when in the season was done or whatever, and feeling like that's just mm -hmm. how it was left until it was ready to grow something, and knowing that that's not what's happening next door is very, very obvious. Mm. So there's an example from today. It's okay. a great example. I mean, then I don't, I think I want to make it clear that I don't, yeah, I struggle with, with this. And the way I do think the way that we're doing it is better. I'm not going to lie. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not going to try to hide that. And I also, you know, we can very clearly see our neighbors. Um, he's an incredible farmer and I admire him so much. And I, when I'm watching him all day long, I like, I learn from his practices and I don't think in any way that I myself am, am better than him at all, but I truly don't believe that. I like respect all people who grow, who, who, who grow food for mm -hmm. others. Um, and it's just different ways. And I think that's a really beautiful thing about agriculture. There's so many different ways of coming at it, approaching it. Um, but I think be, since when Sermon said, you know, the industrial revolution hit, we have come to understand one way of farming. And that is like clean, crisp, monocrop, most likely spraying, not observing soil compaction, um, biodiversity loss, etc. And as we've discussed, it's we're trying to just come at it in a different way. Nowhere will I say that we are inventing anything new. What we are doing is not new. But I think for our region, for our, our area, for our community's understanding of what farming is, we're just trying a slightly different, older approach. And in many ways, it's a lot more work. You know, those, the folks next door have one vegetable crop. That's it. We don't. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just different. But it, uh, I also, I mean, I, this was a self-fulfilling question that I asked both of you. <laughs> because it's, uh, it gives me hope and excitement, though. You know, when we're on the ground looking down constantly. Mm. Um, and that's why, you know, we're so excited for our markets this year. And we're hosting, uh, we've escalated our market numbers. We're doing them weekly from mid-June to November. Um, and I'm so excited for the first one, for the conversations of with neighbors being like, 
we saw you out there at 5 a.m. working the soil. And I was like, yeah, that was for you for this market. And we're so excited to feed you all again. No, no, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's romantic. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about what you're saying, like how it's an old it's an old thing that you guys are making new again for this community. And I think what also gives me hope is um, there's a book by local author J.B. McKinnon called uh, The Once and Future World, I think it's called. Um, and he talks about this idea of generational amnesia, how like we're kind of operating at like less than 10% of um, like the wildlife, kind of the the trees and all of this stuff, like how 90% of what was is extinct at this point. But we don't know that because every generate we only know what we experienced in our life. So there's a we don't know what our parents experienced, or our grandparents. So there's this generational amnesia. And um, thinking about how similarly we talked about the industrial age of farming, how we went to, you know, monocrops and basically changed from the practices that your grandparents probably started with in the Punjab. Um, if people like yourself don't change that system, we're going to forget how we used mm. to farm. And it will it will be erased from our history. If we only know industrial farming, if we only know monocrops, and that's what we, when we close our eyes and we think of a farm, we think of one crop, that will become all we know. If there aren't people that are kind of rebelling against that and going back to the old systems of of how you know it was practiced in pretty much every indigenous culture in mm -hmm. history um so that that gives me that hope and that excites me that you guys are kind of breaking that norm and kind of changing the history that uh you know selfishly speaking we we live here and our kids play on that greenway and play by the farm like that's the farm they see so when they close their eyes and they think of a farm, they're not going to think of that one crop, that monocrop. They're going to think about your farm, which is beautiful and diverse. And, you know, it actually kind of makes me emotional thinking mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. like this is how they'll grow up. Mm -hmm. They'll, they'll think that farming is what you guys are presenting to the world. So that really mm -hmm. excites me. That, and I think like that's so well said Zach and also like the connection to land and place so again mm -hmm. like to use an example of, of I think why what you're doing is so important like the last time Daniel you came you were so generous and brought us uh, a beautiful box of literally fresh like it was still sopping wet as were you because it was a, <laughs> a very gross day and you were out in the field and you quickly grabbed some things to bring to us and it was so generous uh, but then that night after we had recorded like making a salad for my family and my youngest daughter still doesn't really know how she has, she's not sure about her relationship with veggies yet, <laughs> but my older daughter, I'm on the same page. <laughs> my older daughter loves it. She'll eat. So we made the salad and she's eating. She's like, wow, oh, it's so good. Different kinds of lettuce and this and that. And we ate it. I said, yeah, this was like grown right next door. And it was so cool for her to see that connection to like, mm. whoa, like, wow. Right. Normally we don't think about where our food comes from. We just eat it and mm. say, yeah, this was like grown like right there. And it was such a cool moment for her. And then, you know, uh, maybe a week or so after, not even just a few days later, um, one of them started to feel a little sick and then blah, blah, blah. So I took some of the ginger and we made like ginger honey tea. And I was like, this is the ginger grown from right next door, like Farmer Daniel's ginger. And it was, so, it's so potent. It's so good. And like, you know, crushing it up and putting the tea and they were drinking it. And to know that like it, 
it's like nurturing and feeding like my children and myself and it's like from right there. That connection is worth more than gold that they understand like the connection to the land and that it's help it's healthy and it's healing and that it can be grown right there. We don't need to fly it in from somewhere else or bring it in from a, from the United States or whatever. That we can we can have a diversity of foods and plants that are nutritious and delicious but also medicinal in some mm. ways like I just to me like that is such a valuable thing that is an offshoot of of this story that you've created and are like living out. Mm. And so it's beautiful. When you think about our kids and the experiences they have now, like knowing what a farm should be. And is I, I'm interested, Simran, like you had mentioned in, in our kind of pre-pod chat, like you had only, you've only been back to India when you were around eight years old or so, you said. Do you have like specific memories or if you were like to close your eyes and go back, like what do you remember about being there? Like smells, sounds, sights, were you on like your family's 30 acre farm? Like what, yeah, do you have a, a memory, a story that you could share with us about your experience there as like a child? I don't remember it too much in detail, but actually um, the other week I was going through my room and I found a journal. And when we went to India, I was in elementary school and I remember I was told to keep a journal of my trip as an assignment when I came back. So I was flipping through my journal and there's a page where I talk about that I visited the cotton farm down the street and I actually plucked a piece of cotton and taped it into the journal. So I still have that piece of cotton Whoa, in my so journal cool. from 20 years ago. Um, more than 20, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just remember, I remember things being simple, simple and slow. Um, and we live in a, in a house there next to the farm. And I just remember, I don't remember too much about the farmland around, but I just remember spending the days playing cards, sitting with my grandparents, sitting around a table and things were just slow and I feel like storytelling was an important mm. pastime and just that's how we spent our time. Mm. I'm curious to how now that you have this farm here and and part of the the his, now having this farm and growing here connects you to your your family history for generations. Like I wonder how the next time you visit your 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 land, your property that you guys have in India, how that will kind of change your connection to that land there, just in contrast to the the land here, like having to two farms in two different places in the world that have, you know, a shared history. Um, I think it would be just kind of cool to walk that land and just uh, just connect your hands and your feet to the soil and think about, like, the generations from from India to here and how it's all connected through, through growing and, and soil and, and vegetables and that history that you guys have, like a... It'll be it'll be cool when you go back to see what uh, what that brings forth for you. Do you have Do you have plans to to go back anytime? I don't have any concrete plans, but after this chat and just the past few weeks thinking more about our heritage, I'm definitely more interested in it, and it needs to happen. Yeah. And I know in our pre-pod chat, Daniel and I said once we build out Athian Acres, we'll go build out Athian Acres Part Two in India. So maybe you coming it, soon. Here first. <laughs> I heard it here first. <laughs> I want that in writing. Yeah, <laughs> that that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, once we're full-time volunteers for you with you guys, uh, maybe we can. Uh, Zach, you know... don't, Zach, don't worry. I'll pay you. <laughs> It's it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Dean, you have to volunteer. All right, Zach. Okay, okay. I'll do it for the ginger. Yeah. <laughs> we all do it for the ginger. Yeah. Sim and I text, uh, I know we're joking about the ginger, but I'm always texting Daniel things, and 
I've never, I've like, you know, obviously juicing and whatnot, I play with and use ginger like on a daily basis. So I like juice ginger all the time. Bought it from farmer's markets, bought it from, you know, overseas. You guys, ginger, like I felt like I was like having like a out of body experience. <laughs> I like juiced it straight because I wanted to like get the palate for it and drank like, like, I don't know, 16 ounces of ginger juice. I felt like I drank in, like, a bottle of wine. Like, I was, like, vibrating on another level. No, honestly, I feel like our family has said that so often around the dinner table last season when we first started getting products out of the farm about everything, not just the ginger, even the lettuce, like, the crispiness yeah, and the freshness of the lettuce, like, everything. It's, yeah, it's really exciting. Well, this is, I don't know how woo we want to go, but uh, <laughs> Dean and I have been getting more and more into the woo-woo ways of life and... We were listening to this one guy, and I was texting this with you, Daniel. Like, um, he was talking about when you harvest fresh from, you know, your garden, the farm, whatever. It kind of has 60 hours that it holds the electric charge of, like, the electrons from, from, the, from the earth. So your family's eating this, this food fresh from the soil within those 60 hours all the time so we're getting all charged up you're getting all charged up i feel like uh you know you guys are are living on a another level than the rest of us that are buying our produce like that's been shipped from who knows where at the grocery store so that's pretty cool all right so one thing that um you know i get excited about when i talk with you guys is is your vision for the future of farming you've kind Mm. of built this incredible foundation um, that's kind of changing the game for farming, but I know the vision goes beyond what we're seeing today. Um, you know, we won't hold you to anything, but can we kind of <laughs> just jam on what you guys are hoping to create, whether that's through community, through like your markets, through these pop-ups, through, um, you know, other variations of, of the farm that you're hoping to create. Um, what, what does the future of, of Athiana look like for you guys or what do you want it to look like they're both, they're both deferring to each other <laughs> yes. I think both of our dreams are gonna get ourselves into trouble because I think you know the since we started even having these conversations myself and Simran and her family and even from last year to now um, the ideas have escalated and they change a lot they and I think it's just really the foundation of it's excitement. And, you know, it's conversations with you two. It's conversations with people that came to our market, general customers, like all the, not to say that positive reinforcement uh, feeds us, but it's really feeding us. And when we hear that people are as excited as we are, when we hear that people care as much about it as we do, um, it <laughs> maybe it just escalates the plan a little bit. And I think Simmer and I are both, uh, or I'll speak for myself here, I'm constantly like, oh no, this is this is escalating quickly. <laughs> and it's... Uh, Every week I go and tell Daniel, can we plant this? Can we plant this? And yeah, yeah the plans quickly escalate. I smile, I nod, I cry a little bit. <laughs> so what do you want to plant? We Simran? do it. Like what's like, uh, what's something that would really light you up to see growing in that soil of yours? Um, I'm very excited for fruits. We're yep. going to test out some strawberries this year and Oof. some melons. And ever since I was a kid, I've eaten a dozen fruits a day. Like fruits mm. are my favorite thing. So I'm very excited to dive deeper into that because that's also not something that I, prior to starting the farm, knew we could grow. I really didn't know we could grow melons, grow watermelons. So I'm excited to see how far we can 
push the farm as well. That was so that, cool. With that diversity. I didn't know you could grow melons here either. What? Yeah. Zach. Okay, we'll have a little field trip. Okay. You can come and harvest your own. All right. And like a warm cantaloupe, like warm from the sun, cantaloupe fresh from the field at like peak ripeness is like an unbelievable moment. You're just going to see Dean and I like salivating on the greenway, like yeah. staring at your farm, like waiting until the next I'll, like toss one, t- oh. toss one, what went over. No, I, I'm, I'm seriously like, it's really, you like haven't tasted fruit until you've tasted that. I was going to say, I don't even really, I don't even really like cantaloupe. Oh, but, you but, will Dean, you will. But that's probably because my memory of it was, is like an eight year old and it's on the side of a plate at like Denny's. Or something. Same, same. Yeah. It's like, that's <laughs> cantaloupe's not... one of those like fruit platter cut up, yeah. buy it in a cup at the grocery store. Yeah. Or it's yeah. like, you know, the party treat, the healthy party treat is like, you know, cut up sliced cantaloupe. And, you know, um, we talked about this on the last podcast, Daniel, but um, there's such a difference like hearing you talk about that cantaloupe, like trying fruit and, and vegetables that are like fresh from a farmer like mm-hmm. i remember trying mangoes in india and being like this is what a mango can taste like or trying oranges in florida and be like this is what an orange can taste like and I know, I know we mentioned this last time like i remember trying carrots for the first time at like a farmer's market here like one of my early experiences at a farmer's market and being like this is what carrots taste like it's like so different than what you might find at a grocery store when things have been shipped as we were talking about from you know hundreds of kilometers like mm. you know I, f- I feel like we crave these these kind of sugars and these salts and all these kind of processed foods because we're not eating produce that's fresh from farmers like mm. if you have a fresh apple from a tree like that sweetness is just better than anything you can get from a candy store so like that's one thing that excites me as well like people truly experiencing fruit and vegetables like maybe truly for the first time and like seeing their response like when I give my kids good produce versus you know something that not to say any produce is bad like it's all it's all good if you're eating fruits and vegetables but when they get stuff from the farmer's market like they destroy it like it's Mm -hmm. like they devour it versus like uh, you know their snack plate with conventional produce you know, the cucumbers are left, the celery sticks are left, mm. the apples are left, and kind of the more processed things are the first things they go for. But when they have the fresh produce from farms, like, it's like, they want more. And it's like, it's incredible. I think a cool example that I have is in the winter when I was um, sourcing strawberry plants, like second two-year-old strawberry plants, um, buy them from Quebec, and they, uh, you know, researching them, the different varieties available and what you can filter on this website of what char- characteristics each one of these plants has. And it's amazing because like some of them are, you know, for plant health, vigor, uh, hardiness for the winter time, um, size, uh, storability, etc. And then when I was toggling them, like one of the things was flavor and taste. And I was like, okay, I want like, you know, five star flavor. I want the most potent ones. And the selection of them was like, I had like two options. And originally it was like 30. And I was like, I was like, oh, wow, that's like such a great representation of our North American food 
understanding is we want them for shelf stableness, hardiness, uh, disease resistant, which are all like very important things. But I was like, no, no, I want my flavorful ones. Like, I don't want to be growing all these. And yes, healthy plants, key. But it was just amazing to see like the, oh, yeah, no, our food systems moved in this direction of uh, efficiency. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hardiness is more important than what, why we should be actually growing these is flavor. Because that's what brings people back. I mean, if they have that strawberry mm-hmm. and 30 of them aren't considering flavor and two of them are, if they have those two strawberries, like they're going to want to go back totally to, for that strawberry. Totally, totally. And um, that- well, it's like, I mean, it's like pointless to buy strawberries out of season in this part of the world mm-hmm. because they don't taste like strawberries. They look like a strawberry and then you... They're beautiful. Yeah, they look great. And they'll last in your fridge for, you know, days and days and days. But they don't taste like what a strawberry should taste like. And I think coming back to a question you guys asked earlier is what is the future of Athiana? It's, you know, it's going to sound kind of tacky and cliche, but it's like normalizing that flavor is a priority. That quality is a priority. And we want to get that whole farm. Like we've scratched the surface of how much is that of that farm is in production right now. And we want to make sure that we are growing it at a, at a non-colonial pace of just, you know, filling the entire thing up overnight, but also that we're doing everything and we're making sure we're doing it well with intention, with flavor, with quality and being able to being being able to make sure that it goes in the hands of people that care about it. And just, it's just more of that. We, we want that, but a full farm of that. Mm-hmm. With within time, yeah, yeah. There's only so many hours in each day. Uh, (laughs) One question I have for you guys: like, I see you guys as these activists, kind of rebelling against the industrial movement of of farming, Um, and I know this is important to to you guys. Can you kind of talk about food sovereignty and social justice and and what those those ideas what those practices mean to you guys within the farm system Mm, big questions they mean so much i want to ping pong this one to simran first i don't know if i can take this one (laughs) i think it, it means it means so many things um I mean, I think Simran's family is from India. My family, Jewish. There's a kind of mixed culture component going on in this farm. And it's... um, We want to showcase that, you know, different levels of diversity can be engaged in farming. Uh, You know, women can be engaged in farming and can be recognized for it and can be celebrated for it um and i think you know i was just telling you all earlier we're engaging with the musqueam community tomorrow helping revamp their elders garden like we want those to be key pillars of our farm i've not just focused on production and understanding of that but it's how are we leveraging the farm the business the people in it to do good and that's going to look like so many different things at so many different times which is a, I mean, it's an ongoing challenge, ongoing growth point, but that's kind of how I see it. Mm-hmm. And then I think on the 
customer facing side, like we've talked about, like making this food accessible and open and affordable for people in the local community so that they have the option to opt for this instead of traditional grocery stores and industrialized farming. So keeping things as accessible as possible. Yeah, I was, I was at your first market. I was like surprised at your guys' pricing. I was like, wow, this is very affordable, mm. especially compared to, you know, I try to go to the farmer's market as much as I can. So I'm, I'm kind of used to a certain standard of farmer's market pricing. Mm. And like your guys' pricing didn't reflect that. I was like very pleasantly surprised. <laughs> you guys need to charge more. I don't know. I'll pay more. I'll Zach, pay more. You pay more. I'll it's pay fine. more. I'll just <laughs> charge me more. <laughs> well, I think the, uh, one of our neighbors at the farm, they have a small farm as well. And uh, them and I joke often about this, about there's like the Kitsilano Vancouver pricing. Then there's the Richmond pricing of like what people will, what the market can stand. Right. And again, like we want to make food accessible. We want food to get into the homes of the people around us. We want to feed people good food, period. Mm. We still have bills to pay. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but yes. Yeah. There's a balance there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a business. It's, you know, it's part of the consideration. You guys are in a not-for-profit or a charity yeah. or anything like that. So, uh, you know. And I think that's the balance is, you know, we're a for-profit business, but how are we not being completely just blindly driven by profits? You know, and that's the the balance of running this business that is, I would say, more social enterprise focused and community focused than the average mm-hmm. business. Yeah. And even like, you know, you'd said earlier, like the kind of like non-colonial approach, yeah. like one of the legacies of, of colonialism is that practice of capitalism which we're all mm-hmm. caught in and, and we need to we need to be able to pay your bills and and maintain the farm and what you're doing in, in order to do good and even resist the system mm-hmm. we kind of have to work within it um, but we can find ways to work within it to make it more equitable and have access for all and and the decisions that we make can be based on our values not just based mm-hmm. on this is going to maximize profit for us so let's just do that at the expense of all of these other things that are our core, our core values and, and, and where we would say, you know, draw a line in the dirt, so to speak. I'm like, we're not going to cross this. <laughs> That's the first farming pond. I, I, I had to get Last one. time was oh, full was of all, them. It was all jokes. Oh, yeah. oh no. Some of them we would, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not even going to go there. But I, I'm, cu- I'm curious because we've talked about, and, and Zach, you've kind of used the word a couple times, like this rebellion against like the, the standard, maybe conventional systems. Um, We've talked a lot about like what we love and what's great about what's going on. What have been some of like the the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome, whether it's like day to day, or whether it's been pushback from other people in the community or mm. farms. Like what what have you faced that's been like, oh, okay, this is like a this is this is hard, but we know that what we're doing is worth it. Mm, tough question. It's been flawless this entire time. No, <laughs> no issues, no speed bumps. No. Um, everything's grown perfectly. Um, <laughs> I'm jokes, cry- jokes. crying inside. Yeah, 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 fully, yeah. fully joking. Um, I mean, I've watched. I've watched you guys out there farming. I've watched enough of these docs on people farming that uh, you know you can't. It's it's an amazing thing that you guys are doing because. 
when I think about business, I think about like controlling variables and having predictability mm-hmm. and like consistent metrics that you can count on. But when you're with the when the weather is your business partner, you know you guys are are out of not in control of rainstorms, snowstorms, mm. ice, drought, you know, dry spells. Obviously, there's like modern technologies to try to, mm. you know, you got your beautiful dikes that you've cleared so that the you know the water can dry out, and you know you can obviously irrigate in water through dry seasons now, but. Uh, I imagine it would be challenging to be at mercy to to the natural world 365 days a year. So it can be frustrating at points. <laughs> <laughs> the weather is Daniel's best friend and worst enemy. Yeah. The amount of screenshots that we send back and forth of the weather <laughs> forecast for the upcoming week. Yeah, just a lot of, I don't yeah. get it. Yeah. <laughs> it just said this. Yeah. So, yeah, so Simon, on our, our first conversation, you know, we talked about regenerative farming, and I'd love to get kind of your take um, just to read a couple of Paul Hawkins quotes. He, you know, he talked about how we've lost one third of the Earth's topsoil. And um, there's two lines that I really liked that he, he shared. He said, what happened to the land happens to the food. What happens to the food happens to the people. And he talks about putting regeneration puts life at the middle of every action of, and every decision. Um, I like that, putting life at the middle of, of every, every action and decision. So when you guys were, you know, before Daniel came into the picture and you guys have this, this land and you're deciding that you're going to, to farm it, um, what did regeneration mean to you? Like what made you guys decide that you're going to opt out of this kind of monocrop kind of modern farming practices and do something different, pursue kind of the regenerative side of things? Mm, yeah, those are some beautiful quotes too. I think at the heart of it, we just wanted to leave this corner of the world better than we found it and do whatever we can to make that come to fruition. And I think a big part of it, like we talked about biodiversity, and I think that goes hand in hand with regeneration and is one of the aspects of it that I'm most interested in and passionate about was really just how can we introduce as much life as possible into this land and kind of take it back to what it was and so that was really just it I think and thankfully everyone in our family we don't agree on a lot of things but we did agree on this and it was a consensus that we wanted to put a focus into this and try our hardest to see where we could take it that's so cool I have a question is it going as planned I mean I know Zaki's has a question about challenges um, and the weather is just we're about three weeks behind schedule right now and trying to catch up. Um, so the weather is definitely a thing, but Simran is from years ago to now, is it, is building this farm going as expected or like, has there been unexpected challenges that you all have engaged with that were unexpected or expected or better than expected, worse than expected? I think, Overall, I mean, we we didn't really know what to expect because it's not something that we've done before. But I think, like we mentioned before, like we've come such a long way in one year and what the farm looked like last year at this time compared to now. Like we are so impressed and proud of what we're creating. So, I mean, obviously there has been obstacles, but I think in general we're moving in the direction and at the pace that we dreamed of and are hopeful for. Mm. 
Yeah. <laughs> agree. <laughs> agree. But yeah, there's, yeah. I mean. I feel like the overall vision overpowers any of the obstacles. Yeah. Because <laughs> the passion that we have for it. I'd love to be like at one of you guys like whiteboard meetings with like <laughs> no you don't grandma, grandma, grandma talking about the ginger and garlic. And, yeah. I mean, I mean, Simran's brother asked me on the weekend. You know, how are things going? Are they going as you expected? And I said, like, I mean, yeah, I, I never expected this to be easy. I never expected this to be smooth sailing at all. And I think, I think that realistic perspective on it's on both sides. Um, you know, it's, there's going to be challenges, machinery is going to break down, weather's going to hit all that stuff, but it's like, Hey, that's no one said that starting a 30 acre regenerative organic farm was going to be easy. And, you know, we actually, which I will note this right now, we, uh, a few weeks ago, Simran and I submitted our organic certification and that process was a little harder than expected. Um, and there was some, uh, tears shed on my part um, <laughs> and yeah I mean that was harder than expected and you know we were ready to have it now and that's not how the certification worked we have to wait a little bit but we had to be kept accountable for a lot of things and but it was great for us but like that was a challenge and we it made us kind of double down on the challenges that we're setting forward for ourselves and commitments to the land community practices um, but also it was a challenge <laughs> I question going non-organic many times during that process, but I'm committed to it and I love it. <laughs> I see the conviction in your eyes there. <laughs> is it fear or is it conviction? Uh, same, 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 same. Maybe, a, maybe a healthy dose of both, right? So, uh, so as we kind of wrap up this, this this round of our continued conversations on on farming and soil and community, um, and I'm sure you know we might still have a few more questions that come up, but. Uh, Daniel, I'm thinking about your shirt, how it says, how small farming is changing the world. Mm. Is that what it says? Am I reading it correctly? Give or take, yeah. Just give or take, yeah. Can, can you, you got talk, the idea. <laughs> can you talk about how small farms are, are changing the world? Mm. I think it's, um, it is spreading out the responsibility of feeding people. And I think by decentralizing that, you're creating more stability and you're creating more capacity to weather uh, ad adversity and face challenges. And I think, you know, 30 acres, don't get me wrong, it is not a small farm. I walk it every day. It is a large scale farm. Global sense, Canadian sense, it is a small scale farm. And we are doing things with a very small scale mindset and very <coughs> craft gro growing mindset. But we are trying to um, decentralize the food system in a sense and put it into the hands of the community. And I think there's so much power in that. And I think there's so much uh, ownership that that puts into other people's hands. Because now, <coughs> you know, all of us are engaged instead of, you know, let's just say I just leased land and that was it. Well, the responsibility is on to me. But Zach, Dean, whether you guys like it or not, there's also a responsibility on you all now. And to the people within a five, 10 minute walk, there's a responsibility on them now too. So I think it's spreading out the responsibility of food production, agriculture, land care into a more community sense, a holistic sense, rather than just a one person sense. And I think that just creates more stability. Mm. 
I love putting food and farms at the center of the community. I think that's, you know, they are. It's they so are. cool. It's, yeah. how, it's how it should be, yeah. you know, because I think then we have relationship to land and we have relationship to what we're yeah. putting in our bodies. And like Paul Hawkins says, is putting life at the metal, middle of every action and decision. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I think that's, we can, we can flourish from there. Mm-hmm. I love it. I honestly love it. I love that they're like, again, I mean, not, not to just keep kind of hammering on the same point, but that just right here in our community, there's this legacy sort of like your family and these generations of, of stewardship of land and care for land and feeding people and, and Daniel, like your expertise that you bring to it and this passion for a, a better way forward for land, for community, for farming practices. And that I think in many ways, like it's a, it's a lighthouse, like it's a bastion of like how I, again, like how things should be. And I really hope that, you know, people in the neighborhood will obviously come check it out and support it. But even more so than that, like it will create waves and ripples that will cause other people who are maybe doing more conventional practices to say, wait, could there be another way? Mm. Could there be another way that we could do this? Even if we take 10%, 5% of our land and start to experiment and become a little bit more curious mm. and like, what could farming look like if I didn't just plant all one thing? Mm. Like, what might that be like for me knowing that I've always done it this way. And so I just feel like the burden is immediately like those 30 acres and that's what you're focused on and that's what you're you're working for and creating. And I, I just, I'm always curious, like what is the positive trail that like mm. Athena Acres will create in this community, in this city, in this province, country, as people start to pay attention mm. and, and do notice that, wow, like these quote unquote, like small parcels of land being farmed and cared for in a specific way are having like a pretty tremendous impact. Mm. And that like, maybe there's something to that. And it's those small things that I think then can create massive change in our community. Mm-hmm. So my reflection, my love letter, my kudos, I think that what you're doing is incredible. And, and I know that as someone who benefits from living next door in all of the ways, just from looking at it, being there, sharing it with my kids, eating the food from there, like it's, uh, it's tremendous. It's mm-hmm. tremendous to have here. I just had a little like light bulb go go off first of all dean that was beautiful and i'm almost in tears as always because you're a beautiful speaker as well but the when you asked earlier about what the future of athiana is and i'm just gonna i haven't told simran this this is fresh um fresh off the press is you know yeah it's trialing like we are technically trialing this style in a little corner of richmond but it's almost a new goal for me i'm not gonna be kept to this please but is how big can we take this mm. but still keep the same focus on community quality and focus and intentionality but make it a serious contender in the game the game being the food system as a whole is like how do we i think for a lot of the farmers around us they're farming on 500 acres and they're looking at us saying cute garden Mm-hmm. which is great. It's a beautiful garden at that. But it's like, how big can we take this and maintain the same level of focus to really compete? And yeah, it's an interesting thing. I love that. I love that. It's uh, not a challenge I'm putting forward to myself right now. I'm it. sleep deprived. 
But yeah, what time do you? As uh, so, if people are listening and they're like, okay, I want to be a farmer, I want to work at Athiana, I want to start my own farm, I want to work on a farm, like. You know, before we park the tractor of this conversation, can you just kind of like share what a day in the life of farming is? Like, I know you're up early. Mm. You're kind of living that circadian rhythm lifestyle, you know, with the sun being your partner and all. Um, what is what is like kind of wake up to end of the workday look like for you? The romance is this, is... Because we're running really behind right now, because the season is running kind of late, because the fields were too wet to get into, and by get into I mean start working, start planting crops, um, we don't gain any of that time. We just have to catch up. And so we still have just as many things that need to get into the ground, just as many seeds need to get planted. We have sales deadlines. We got to go. So the last, I think I've worked like 106 or 107 hours over the last like eight days, seven days. Um, and so I, my alarm goes off at like 4.10 in the morning. I don't like to go before four. I emotionally can't do that. Um, and then get home at, you know, eight or 9 p.m. Um, I eat throughout the day. I drink a lot of coffee and you just kind of go. I was one of the staff um, and I, we both are a little sick and we both love it. And we both kind of get fed by this uh, I don't know, just nonstop attackingness of the farm. But moments like today when we get to look over the farm, we just got like 8,000 onions planted. Like it's uh, knowing that that's going to be food on people's tables is lack of better words, feeds us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, knowing that I think on Sunday, Simran's sister-in-law texted me and said, do you want some birthday cake? And I was like, yes, I do. And it's like those moments of like, you know, appreciation, gratitude, connection, um, the kids coming down to the farm yesterday playing in the garlic, like those little moments of reprise help the long days so much. And it's, uh, it's what we're in it for. Again, there's no surprise that this was the work. And I think for folks that want to get into farming, I hear that so often. And I just say, come spend a day with me. It'll be your last day on the farm. Because <laughs> it's, it's definitely like romanticized as we watch from like the peanut gallery, like walk, <laughs> watching you like work hard on the farm. And I'm like, I can't wait till that food's ready. Um, <laughs> What's but, taking them so long? Yeah, yeah. God, Daniel, yeah. hurry up down it's there. Slow food. You know? <laughs> um, it's definitely ra- romanticized from someone that like, you know, my idea of gardening is like watering the tulips that I have at my front door, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, there is a romantic aspect to it. Like, Dean, when you look over the farm and watch the sunrise, I do the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. You know, when I pull in and I have like the greenhouse and the fall rye and the fields and the irrigation going, etc. And the sun is rising, like, that's romantic. And then I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> Stop messing around, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Or like, like when, I, when I get to see like Simran and her family walking the fields and like clearly like, you know, reveling in the beauty of what's going on. Like that air, that is romantic and it's like a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's connection to food. I think that's what it excites me most about it too. It's just that everyone, I feel like if you ask them the question of when do you feel most alive or when are you most at peace? Oftentimes it's out in nature. It's with family and friends Oftentimes it's a memory around food, but really that being out in nature piece, it's like the farm hopes to, and I think does embody all of those things. And that's what makes me excited is that I feel like everyone can find a connection 
at the farm and appreciate it the same way we do. I love that. I feel like, uh, you know, we've got, we've got time, but I feel like that's a nice place to land this conversation. If there's anything that you guys want to highlight about Athiana, you know, whether it's practices or things to be shameless about. plugs. Yeah. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to plug anything, I know you got a lot of markets coming up. Um, maybe we can kind of just have a moment to kind of share your summer schedule. Um, <laughs> and then we can kind of close, close things for, for this round yeah. before, before we, you know, we'll have round three down the line. we'll never say no to a shameless plug but yeah like we mentioned we're gonna start markets every week every saturday danny and i will be there the rest of my family will be there (laughs) hopefully all of you will be there so every saturday starting mid-june until november that's where you can find us that's kind of the main thing we're also we sell to wholesale to restaurant partners in greater vancouver so you can find us in restaurants um yeah and, and your market's like, uh, to, to plug the plug, like, um, <laughs> you know, you guys, it was more than your produce. Like you guys brought in some, some friends of Athiana mm-hmm. last year. And I think that's something you're going to continue to do. Like I remember Ernest ice cream was there. We bought like four, you know, vegan ice cream sandwiches that, my kid, that I ended up like eating, you know, three quarters of each of them. <laughs> so I wasn't. So I that's why that. you have kids. I'm the cleaner upper. Um, so I, I think that's something to be excited about because here in Richmond, you know, we don't always get the exciting things that they have at other farmers markets. So I think like having friends of the farm, uh, if that's something you guys are going to continue to do, I think that, that uh, you know, will bring more people out for, for more reasons than one. Definitely. We have a lot of plans to invite a lot of friends that happen to have really cool companies that happen to sell really delicious things um, coming to the farm to join us this season. And um, I have joked with each vendor saying that I'll be their best customer every single time. And, there you go. Oh, yeah, I get a, a food truck coming to my front door. It's great. It's That's perfect. Amazing. Yeah. We guys do um, like the, the CSA boxes or is it just come come on Saturday and grab what you want for the week? It's a great question, Dean. It's a great question. We're going to be doing some boxes. Um, we're really trying to focus all of our energy um, to Saturdays. We want people to come to the farm. Yeah. yeah. We want to mm-hmm. showcase the farm. We've brought the fields closer to the entrance. We've got flower fields up the wazoo. Right at the entrance, it's going to be like jaw-droppingly gorgeous, I promise. Um, so we, we want people to come. And it's, I think, as Simran and I have been saying from the beginning, is like this farm isn't just about food. It's about connection to nature connection to fields we want people to come there we want people to engage in conversation saying hey you're my neighbor i haven't seen you before while they're grabbing for the same bunch of carrots you know like we want those experiences to to happen and to prevail so yeah well i love that I, and i i know that that's a maybe it was a leading question but that was the, the creating the experience coming come and get the markets every weekend it can be that community touch point come to the farm get that routine get to know the same people I think it's brilliant. I can't wait. I can't wait to be down there grabbing all the goodies. It was just the best energy at the two markets that we held last year. And so I can't wait for that. Mm-hmm. Just so many smiles, so many laughs, just mm-hmm. warm energy. Yeah. It was wild. Like the, I remember it was a party. Like the first, <laughs> the first one, I'm like, everybody <laughs> is here. It's like going to the bar on a Friday night when we're in our early twenties, you know, <laughs> much healthier version of that. That's it now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is it now. Yeah, no, we're all, we're all really excited and 
Um, it's going to be after a long spring of prep to get there, yes. um, but it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to going to be fun. Beautiful. Going to be fun. Beautiful. Uh, it's so cool to see a vision, a dream, a way of life that has been practiced, and then for your family, Simran, to kind of say, this is what we want to do, and finding mm-hmm. Daniel and all of the steps to get to where you are now, where things are, see, they're literally going in the ground, and the dates are on the calendar, and the people are hungry for this, like quite literally, right? I think it's so beautiful when we think about how our thoughts and our words and our intentions can create realities. And like Athena Acres is a perfect, perfect uh, example of that, right? Something that was a dream manifesting itself into reality. And so kudos to you on making it happen. We're excited for the markets. We're excited to just continue to watch you toil, Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, to be to be really like a part of it, honestly, to feel like we're a part of it is such a, is such a gift. So thank you for what you've created, um, and are creating and are doing in our community. Uh, and to anyone who's listening, make sure you get down to Athena Acres, uh, south end of Number Two Road. You can't miss it as you're driving down. Okay, it's just first left after the speed bump. You know what I'm talking about. Number Two Road. Um, <laughs> come come to the markets on Saturday. And feed your feed your soul, have an experience, feed your body, feed your family, feed your friends with some delicious, delicious food. So thank you. Um, Daniel, we asked you this question before, so we're going to skip you this time. Please do. Simran, um, Zach and I created this podcast because we wanted to do exactly this. We wanted to have cool conversations with people who are doing like just really awesome and inspiring things in the world. And we call it a little more good because that's what we want to see and do and be as we kind of carry and walk and move through this this world, this life. But we always love to hear from our guests, like what does that phrase mean to you? A little more good. Mm, that's a good one. And I feel like you guys are both, you're doing it with the podcast. You're putting that out into the world. Um, I think what comes to mind for me is just daily practices to do a little more good, whether it's for yourself, whether it's cooking a meal for friends and family, whether it's smiling at a stranger on the street. I think we all have the power to do something small every single day. So that's what made me, what it makes me think of. Beautiful. (laughs) Thank thank you, Simran. Thank you, Daniel. We're excited for for this harvest season with you guys. And uh, as Dean said, you know, we, we love you know, being adjacent to the farm and, and growing with you guys as, as, as people, as your your lovely vegetables grow. So there's <laughs> a little pun to, to close this out. Grateful for you both. Thank you guys thank so, you much. so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, all right. All that's right, how, all right. That's how we start an outro. Every, right? every outro. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you guys have tuned in to, uh, like, it's kind of like, some people, when they're talking, they don't know what to do with their their hands, you know? I feel like our right, our right is like our intro to talking. That's the segue it's in. It's like, we could try out some other things. Uh, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Here we yes, go. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However we want to segue in, that conversation was awesome. So much appreciation to Simran and to Daniel, not only for the time, uh, sharing with us and, and sharing their stories and some of the why behind Athena Acres and, and what they're about and their, what they're excited about, both uh, in the immediate future and long-term future, but just really, really grateful for them for just actually what they are doing, creating a regenerative, sustainable, organic farm um, here in the city that longs to be part of the community and to give back to the community and celebrate community. 
um, is just so awesome. And again, we've said it, but it's worth saying again, we're huge fans and we are so privileged that we get to live just right next door to it and kind of feel like we're part of it, which is great. And uh, I guess we got to do some volunteer shifts here eventually. That's my dream, man. Uh, I just want to be uh, a volunteer at Athena Acres. That's yeah. my that's my goal in life. I was I was coming back from uh, from the gym. Shout out to our our, our friend uh, Russ for coming back from the gym, Russell Sean Fitness, and walking from the gym home. I passed by the farm, and Daniel was just pulling out in his truck, and he's like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" I was like, "Oh, good, good to see you." He's like. I was all sweaty. He's like, you coming back from the gym? I was like, yeah. He's like, you know, you can do farmer carries on the farm anytime. Just come and carry stuff around for me. <laughs> He's like, I won't even charge you. <laughs> so maybe I'll have to do that. There carry, we go. Carry, carry on some bags of dirt or something. Lift heavy things. <laughs> grow beautiful produce. And yeah. if you like this episode, do check out episode 82, Building a Regenerative Farm with Daniel Garfinkel. It was a great conversation kind of diving into Daniel's history, Daniel's past, Uh, It's just a beautiful, beautiful conversation. So if you enjoyed this one and want to continue the journey uh, with with Athena Acres and Daniel, do check out that episode. And if you are in the lower mainland here in BC, Vancouver, Richmond, you know, any of the neighboring cities, their uh, weekend markets are going to be the place to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coming coming at you Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Athena Acres... We'll, uh, we'll obviously link everything in the show, but just give it a Google and you'll find out just where they are. South end of number two road. You'll know if you're a Richmond person where that is. If not, just Google map it and we'll see you, uh, we'll see you out there with some beautiful produce. All right. Until next week. Stay good, y'all. Peace.